0: Hey, it's Kylie Gable, and it's time for the Feminization Boudoir, brought to you by Candy Apple Press. Your home for all the top forced feminization books and audios. Check us out on Amazon or our clip stores on Clips for Sale especially. There's also one on I Want Clips, but we're really moving almost exclusively to Clips for Sale. Um, I have so many audios being recorded right now, and I absolutely love it. Um, the big one today, though, is going to be After the Ordeal, which is a little bit older story for me. And because it's a little bit older, it's a little bit longer. It's a. Um, it's, it winds up being like an hour and a half for the whole audio. And as a result, you're going to get a little bit of a longer clip. Um, and that is done by the remarkable Shayla Aspasia, or Aspasia, I'm really not sure actually. I just know she's very talented. And then in addition to that, um, I have an old one that's already aired on this podcast um, called The Sissy Bowl about um, some of the Super Bowls of my college years, kind of updated as a story about a couple of married couples, sissies versus their wives, and as you can imagine, it's not pretty. So let's start it off with After the Ordeal. And again, it's Shayla Aspasia with the read, and I hope you enjoy.
1: After the Ordeal, written by Kylie Gable and Claudia Acosta, narrated by Shayla Aspasia. Blake Darcy loved the musical rhythm of high heels stepping noisily on the office floor. On slow days, he would listen carefully and was even capable of correctly distinguishing his female co-workers from each other simply by the sounds their shoes made. Right now, however, a pair of heels were creating an incessant pounding sound that echoed up and down the hallway. Unbelievably, the heels that were currently making all the noise belonged to him. It was his first day back at Global Food Service Systems, since his former co-worker, Cheryl Allen, and her friends had put him through the most humiliating ordeal of his life. It had all begun on Friday night last weekend, when he saw Cheryl at a bar that he sometimes frequented. She had always been the hottest woman he had ever worked with and he often regretted his role in getting her fired, as the view alone had made up for her unwillingness to sleep with him. He should have also realized that something about that scenario was fishy, because he should probably be the last person on earth that she would want to bump into. But instead, she seemed absolutely thrilled to see him again. She put on her seductive charm that he had seen her use with such devastating effect on some unsuspecting customers a few times. Somehow it wasn't difficult for her to seduce him into putting on a pair of her panties and then even a bra when she had taken him back to her place where they'd carried on drinking and playing sexy games. Initially, The promise of her fantastic body had overcome all of his normal concerns. But by the time he began to balk at some of her demands, it was far too late. Suddenly, it became very apparent that she wasn't anywhere near as drunk as he had thought she was. And he was a good deal worse for drink than was good for him. On top of that, he had known that she did some martial arts stuff from their time working together, but he never knew just how skilled she actually was until he felt her foot connecting very painfully with his solar plexus that had been prompted by his refusal to acquiesce to any more of what were now extremely unreasonable demands. Shortly after, he was tightly handcuffed, sitting with his back to her bed and she was reaching into her dressing table drawer for various makeup items with which to further emasculate him. Her two best friends, Rachel and Viviana, had been called in to help and he was soon to find out just how much trouble he was really in. That first night, Cheryl had dolled him up completely and then forced him to buy her her friends and their dates a very expensive meal at a local michelin-starred restaurant then for the next two days the three women systematically humiliated trained tortured and feminized him until eventually he found himself doing a sexy dance on the bar of a very gay friendly alternative nightclub what followed made it hard for him to even think of himself as a man in quite the same way that he once had. He was worried, as it was only a matter of time until his friends and coworkers found out, especially because his new mistresses had tagged him in two dozen or so pictures of all the events they had posted on his Facebook page, allowing anybody who knew him to view them. As soon as he had learned what they had done, he quickly closed down his account. But by then, who knew how many people had seen a side of Blake they never knew existed. So, he had gone to bed the previous night, at least quietly confident that he had not only survived, but also contained the entire ordeal. It had been some of the most humiliating experiences of his life. But it hopefully was over and now things in his life could get back to normal again. Which was why he was rather surprised when his doorbell rang at just after 530 the next morning. It was Cheryl and her two fellow demons. And they rapidly assured him that things were not only very definitely not over. But rather they were actually only just beginning. He tried in vain to wake himself up from what must surely be just a terrible nightmare 90 minutes later however he had been forcibly dressed in one of cheryl's old business suits with a very short tight gray pencil skirt three inch heels and a pink camisole underneath the gray sports coat now he paused he felt that he simply couldn't force himself to actually push the button and thus call for the elevator that would eventually take him up to his office and the inevitable humiliation of all his coworkers seeing him dressed like this but with the three standing right behind him he knew that he didn't have much in the way of options left open to him well what are you waiting for slut spat Cheryl incredulously have you conveniently forgotten which floor you work on let's go sissy commanded Rachel pushing him stumbling through the open elevator doors much to the surprise of the two women already inside and trying to leave the three girls filed into the elevator closely behind him they obviously weren't going to let their charge out of their sight until they could see him right to the door Of his office please please don't do this he pleaded I can pay you it'd be worth a lot of money to me to just you know put this all behind me we're not doing this to you for monetary gain genius mocked Rachel she wasn't even 20 yet but she was currently in total command of his entire life just as much as the others with her long legs and perky breast. She knew that she could drive practically any guy wild with lust, but the prunette was much more interested in punishing him than teasing him. Besides, you can't be throwing your money around because you're going to have a lot of shopping to do, chimed in Viviana, grinning broadly. Now let's go, ordered Cheryl, as she motioned for Blake to enter through the outer office doors. He hesitated, but a single raised eyebrow from Rachel convinced him that compliance was his best, if not only choice. We'll be back out here at five to pick you up. Don't even think of going home early or anywhere else, warned Cheryl, who then smiling and added with a big grin, have a great day, Blake. Blake slowly and very apprehensively entered his office. He had become quite accustomed to walking in shoes like this since Cheryl and her friends began training him. He attempted to quietly make his way up to the front desk, believing that probably his best move would be to act like he knew exactly where and what he was doing. Unfortunately, as soon as he made it to the front desk, His attempt at bravado collapsed when Janet stopped him. She was a cute, but somewhat plain secretary in her late thirties. She always looked professional, if not particularly alluring. And she took great pride in her ability to run the office front desk. Can I help you? asked Janet, looking him straight in the eyes. Uh, he stammered motioning ineffectually toward his own office i'm sorry miss i i I don't understand oh oh my goodness miss mr darcy she asked her voice rising in stunned disbelief until it ended in sort of a squeak um blake noisily cleared his throat good morning janet he replied in a deep voice I'll be in my office. Bring me some coffee, the usual milk and two sugars, please. Leaving the dumbfounded woman with her mouth hanging open, he quickly made his way to the office. He fought so hard to get out of the shared open plan workplace. To have an office of his own. But now those four walls of plexiglass seemed so inadequate. The other employees could see everything that he did or as in the case exactly what he was wearing. He didn't hold a position any higher than any of the workers still out in the bullpen. They were all salespeople, as was he. But his sales figures were always right at the top of a very competitive company. He was the best on the team, and his pathetic modicum of status was his reward. As soon as he sat at his desk, he noticed the strange looks. They barely concealed snickers, even some outright disbelieving stares. In fact, he could have been almost passable given the right circumstances. If he didn't have to say anything and the light was dim enough. However, stuck there in the fishbowl that was his office, it was just too much for anybody to not recognize the 35-year-old sales executive in full female clothing. Gloria and Alicia were the first two to approach and broach the subject. Gloria was the ubiquitous office gossip. She always knew everything that was going on. Always had the lowdown on everybody in the office. But at the same time, she was also quite a good salesperson. She had probably been quite a beauty in her younger days. But now, in her early 40s, although she was still attractive, she had to work hard to keep herself looking that way. Somehow, she'd always seemed to be at odds or butting heads with Blake. At only 23, GFS was Alicia's first real job. She was the first African-American woman to work on the sales force. But she had such an easy way with people that made her a natural born salesperson. Her looks and amazing body probably didn't hurt her sales figures either. Unfortunately, Glory had immediately taken her under her wing. So, consequently, she didn't have much time for Blake either, despite his occasional attempts to win her over. That's a really great suit, Blake. I just love how you made it so flirty. Putting it with that camisole complimented Alicia, barely containing her giggles as they burst into Blake's office. You know, a small strand of pearls would really set that off. There was a pause as the two women desperately tried to calm themselves down. What the hell, Blake, burst out Glory bluntly, once she managed to get herself under control. I just have to hear all about this. She gestured with a hand at his attire. "'What's to tell?' he tried to reply nonchalantly. As he fidgeted with the stapler and pencil cup on his desk. "'I... I just wanted to give the other employees a bit of a laugh today.' "'Really? I'm calling total bullshit,' declared Gloria, squinting her eyes at him. "'What's really going on here?' "'Nothing.' Just a bit of a fun, a joke for the team, he insisted, quickly putting down the stapler after he had almost stapled his hand to the desk. You handle those heels really well, you know, pointed out Alicia. Did you learn to do that just for your little joke today? Oh, they're not that hard to handle. So anyway, I need to pick up work right now and I expect you girls probably should too. Don't call me girl, Blake. I'm older than you are, and besides, only one of us is wearing heels, and it's not me, snapped Gloria sourly. Not me either, volunteered Alicia helpfully. We're going, but I'm not letting this go until I know exactly what you're up to, insisted Gloria ominously. It's nothing, really. Hey, you two should lighten up a bit. Learn to laugh more when they'd gone blake forced himself to make some sales calls if he could do all his work today over the phone that would at least save him some of the humiliation of actually facing his clients but he immediately noticed that he was having more trouble than usual drumming up business while he was his usual charming self he had always played the alpha male on the phone aggressively closing the deal It was somehow hard to think of himself in those terms today. Just before 11 o'clock, his cell phone rang. He looked down at the display and his heart sank when he realized that it was Cheryl calling him. Yeah, answered Blake. Oh, don't you sound sad, chirped Cheryl, obviously enjoying herself immensely. From now on, when I call you, The correct greeting is, hello my goddess, how may your slaves serve you? Do you understand? Well? Er, yes, goddess, um, hello my goddess, how may I serve you today? Good enough, but still you seem glum and your stutter isn't helping. I think we have to put you in much brighter colors tomorrow. "'That always seems to cheer me up,' suggested Cheryl. "To tomorrow he stammered. "'Yes, to to tomorrow she giggled. "'You didn't think this was all for just one day, did you? "'After all, that training we did as well? "'When can I go back to my normal life?' he begged. "'Hey, don't you worry your pretty little head about such things.' Now, the reason I called is that lunchtime is coming soon, and you must be getting very hungry. Yes, I really am, he agreed. Good. So, go ask Janet if, when she goes out, she could pick you up a small salad with the dressing on the side. You'll be ever so grateful. But I don't really like salad. I was going to get some stuff from the deli. Well, you do now. I'm not going to have to let out any of my skirts for you. Besides, being five ten and 165 pounds is great for a man of your age, but you're still a big girl, honey. Now, are you going to argue with me? No, I'll ask for a salad. You know that I know Janet, and it'll be so easy to call her up. I can and will find out, so don't even try to lie to me. I won't, he replied feeling utterly defeated. Good. Have a great lunch. We'll see you at five, sissy. Helen Karras threw her heavy bag on her desk. She had seen the unfamiliar woman who was sitting at Blake's desk, but didn't think much about it until she began hearing coworkers mocking her appearance and realizing that the woman actually was Blake. The very nature of GFS meant that every year around 10% of the employees were fired. Helen was a hard worker, but every year she felt that she had to prove herself all over again, just to avoid being thrown into that bottom 10%. Blake had promised to help show her how to be a better salesperson, but so far she hadn't really gotten much from the deal. On the other hand, he could be quite sweet at times she usually gave him the benefit of the doubt and that made her more tolerant of him than just about anybody else in the office she quickly made up her mind to get to the bottom of things oh my god what's happened asked Helen on entering blake's office why is everybody making such a big deal about this it's really nothing insisted blake seriously You're all dressed up like a woman, Blake, and you say it's nothing? What the heck is going on? She asked, peering up at her co-worker. Helen was a very attractive Greek woman who had immediately captured Blake's attention with her body. She was known for wearing the highest and sexiest shoes in the office in an attempt to camouflage her five-foot-one-inch height. It's nothing, really. Just a joke, he insisted. I'm not laughing. Are you a tranny or something? Of course not. I'm just not allowed to say. It should all be over soon. You're not allowed to say? Why? Is it the NSA, the CIA, the FBI? Is the government now stopping you from dressing normally or something? She said incredulously. Look, I'm very sorry, he shrugged. Please let me take you out to dinner on Thursday, and I swear I'll make it up to you. Will you be wearing something pretty just for me? She smiled. I hope not. You know, you are kind of cute as a girl. You remind me of one of my aunts. At five o'clock, Rachel greeted Blake at the office door, in addition to being the youngest of the group. She also had a bit of a reputation for being the meanest. Hi, honey. How was work? She beamed at him. It sucked. Everybody obviously wanted to know why I was dressed like this. Where's Cheryl? He demanded. Aw, poor baby, mocked Rachel, ignoring his request. Oh, dear, your makeup. Looks like we're going to have to go over touch-ups tonight, sweetie. I'm not dressing up like this for work ever again, he insisted. You're so funny, taunted Rachel. Let's go. When they arrived back at his house, Blake's heart sunk when he saw Cheryl's red scion convertible parked in the driveway. What's she doing here, and how did she get inside? Asked Blake. Well, you couldn't expect us to have your keys. While you were frolicking around in your lovely dresses and not get a copy made, now could you? You had a copy made of my keys? I just said that. Do try to keep up, said Rachel, rolling her eyes. Besides, don't you worry your pretty little head about it. She just wanted to bring over a few things to help you. What kind of things? Help me how? How? he asked suspiciously only one way to find out said Rachel opening the door with her own key oh we may have had more than one copy made oh hey Blake how did work go called Cheryl cheerfully from his bedroom it was terrible being dressed like a woman all day how did you think it went "'Have you ever tried adopting a more positive attitude?' responded Cheryl. "'I find it really helps me.' "'Haven't you had enough fun with me yet?' he whined. (laughs) "'Not on your life, sweet cheeks,' emphasized Viviana as she entered the house from the backyard carrying a pair of tongs that belonged in Blake's kitchen. "'What the hell are you doing?' asked Blake." It smells bloody awful. Come see for yourself, insisted Viviana, holding the door open. And mind your language, sweet cheeks. Sissies don't swear. Blake swallowed his reply and went over the homemade brick grill that was his pride and joy. He couldn't see anything cooking on top, but something was on fire inside and he looked closer. He recognized the smoldering pieces of burnt cotton that had once been a pair of his boxer shorts. No, are you crazy? He demanded grabbing Viviana by the wrist. She quickly managed to slip out of his grasp and then twisted his right arm painfully up behind his back forcing him to bend over at the waist. Do you want to rephrase that, sweet cheeks? asked Viviana. I strongly suggest that you do, before I get really upset. I, I'm sorry, but that's my underwear, he winced. Not anymore, they're not. Besides, you won't need them. You'll have lots of pretty panties now. You know, it's right about time for me to cook up another batch. You're quite the barbecuing fiend, aren't you? Blake hesitated, but continued pressure on his arm from Viviana, convinced him that it was better to just cooperate. Yes, he gasped. I like to barbecue. Great. I want all of your socks and the rest of your underwear barbecued before I leave. So you'll need to get your ass moving, won't you, commanded Viviana. She was steadily increasing the pressure on Blake's arm. Yes, Mistress Viviana, I'll get right on it, he squealed. You do that, sissy, she smirked as she let go, but smacked his skirt-covered ass with her bare hand watching him yelp. It took Blake nearly an hour, but when he was done, he had successfully destroyed every pair of masculine underwear he owned. Tears were still flowing down his cheeks as he entered the house with an empty laundry basket. Come on back to the bedroom, called Cheryl. Blake entered the room and gasped at what he saw. His closet was open, and inside he could see a collection of dresses, skirts, blouses, and jackets, both for the office and outside. He could also see several pairs of heels and a shoe holder on the back of his closet door. I'm afraid you'll have a lot of shopping to do in the not-so-distant future. But you're lucky. I don't mind sharing mine with you, smirked Cheryl. Wait, I, I can't. Yes, you can and you will, insisted Cheryl. We don't want to see any male underwear anywhere in this house or on you. It's only skirts and dresses from now on, unless we say otherwise. I've lent you enough outfits for the rest of the week. Hopefully this weekend we can go and do some shopping for you. "'Wear the blue top tomorrow. I think that'll look great on you,' insisted Rachel. "'But I can't do this for a whole week,' complained Blake. "'Why not? We're talking about a lot longer time period than that,' sneered Viviana. "'Rachel, you want to explain to our host exactly what it was you did for him?' asked Cheryl. "'Gladly,' smirked Rachel." taking Blake by the hand and leading him out to the den where he kept his computer. The first thing he noticed was the floating heart screensaver on top of a Barbie background. I made a few changes. I can see that. Can I change it back? Of course not, sighed Rachel. Besides, I changed a bunch of your passwords. Oh, great, groaned Blake. I went on your Twitter account, and you're now following some places for both beauty and fashion tips. If you find anything good, I expect you to retweet it. But be sure you do, because I'll be checking on you. My friends follow me on there. Great! Maybe they'll find some nice things for themselves. I also went to your YouTube, and I saved a bunch of makeup tutorials. We can't be doing your makeup for you every day so this way you can learn to do it on your own. Tonight, you're going to practice following what you see in the tutorials. Oh, come on, he whined. Is that disobedience, Blake? No, Mistress Rachel. Tomorrow, I'll be checking. You don't have to be able to do it good enough for the office just yet, but I want to see some significant improvement very soon. Well, sounds like you have some work to do, "'so we'll get out of your hair,' offered Cheryl. "'Can I take these clothes off now?' pleaded Blake. "'Sure. If you want to put on a nightie or something, go right ahead.' "'You've had a bit of a tough day at work. We quite understand,' replied Viviana. "'Marvelous,' sighed Blake. "'We'll be here again at 5.30 sharp tomorrow, so go have some coffee ready. "'I don't think things will take as long as they did today.' But you better make sure you get your beauty rest, advised Cheryl.
0: Shayla did her usual great job with that one. And uh, it's actually based on a story that I had heard uh, another dom tell me about something that they said they used to like to do, which was kind of bully guys at work. And uh, I kind of took it off on my own direction uh, from that story. Shayla is going to be back again very soon. Uh, I have a new series coming out that kind of goes over some familiar ground for me. I already did a story about my college days called Welcome to College, and I am um, kind of revisiting with a new series called College Changes a Guy. And it's, as you might imagine, since it's my actual story, very personal to me, and I couldn't think of anybody I would rather have do it than Shayla. So, the book is going to be, the first book will be out this Thursday, and then, our Thursday night, so really Friday, and then, hopefully, audios either next week or the week after. So, I'm really, really excited about that. Okay, I just finished listening, or watching, actually, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers. Every year, I just root against the Patriots, so... Having two teams that I kind of like playing each other, Um, I didn't really have a particular favorite this year. It was an entertaining enough game. Halftime show was kind of cool. I like Shakira a lot, and J-Lo's okay. And so um, I thought about uh, another audio I have called The Sissy Ball. And I thought it would be nice to bring that back for an encore in light of the Super Bowl. So it's Mistress DJ's reading of my very short story called The Sissy Bowl.
2: The Sissy Bowl, written by Kylie Gable and Claudia Costa. The Sissy Bowl is published by Candy Apple Press. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Dale took the liquid soap and lathered up Jeff from his neck down to his balls. A decade ago, he had been the backup quarterback for his junior college football team. Dale loved the sport, and he was good at it. He was used to hitting the showers with the other guys, but lathering up his teammate, well, that was certainly something different. Two years ago, Jeff's wife Eileen had caught him cheating on her with his secretary. Most women would have chosen to dump him right then and there, but Eileen was not most women. Rather than a sizable alimony payment, she chose to take a pound of flesh. She decided to dedicate herself to feminizing Jeff and making him her serving maid. She called on her best friend Paula, who also happened to be Dale's wife. Unfortunately for Dale, when the women finished turning Jeff into Jenny, they decided to turn him into Chrissy. Their wives did not require their sissified husbands to get plastic surgery or take hormones, but they spared no expense in turning their macho men into reluctant, simpering maids. Jeff was only 5'8", but two years ago he weighed 170 pounds. Today he was 135. His long, platinum blonde hair took him a long time to get used to, but it now hung well down his back, and he had a standing appointment every two weeks with the woman who did his wife's hair. His skin was smooth and he knew better than to get careless with his feminine rituals. On the towel rack next to the sink, it was his pantyhose that were hanging up to dry, not Paula's. Today was the most masculine day of the year. Throughout the whole country, even henpecked husbands were allowed a day off to watch the Super Bowl and eat junk food that their wives would ordinarily never approve of. Today would be different for Jeff and Dale. Today would be the most humiliating football game ever played. Today would be the sissy bowl. Both Paul and Eileen kept themselves in good shape. They had gym memberships that they used, they played tennis, and they even did boot camps together. However, Jeff and Dale were both athletic guys and would normally easily beat their wives in a game of football. In fact, when the girls had suggested they play football to determine who got to watch the game and who dressed up as slutty cheerleaders to serve them, the guys jumped at the opportunity. As usual, their wives had outsmarted them. The wives controlled what the men wore, and they insisted on the most inappropriate attire ever conceived for an athletic event. The boys had already stopped at their usual nail salon for extensions, and now they sported two inch nail extensions, each in the team color of one of the Super Bowl teams. After toweling each other off, the two sissy husbands put on their uniforms, which consisted of black sandals with four inch spiked heels, a black push up bra, which breast forms expanded to 36C on Dale and D Cup on Jeff, a pair of tight black short shorts, black lace panties, black sheer pantyhose, and pink football jerseys, which were cropped just below the bottom of their bra. The uniforms looked quite sexy on the feminized footballers, but they were completely impractical for any kind of physical competition. The look was completed by heavy makeup, including a thick line of eyebrow pencil at the top of their cheeks to mimic their eye black the professional football players wore. After dousing themselves with perfume, the players were ready to go out to the living room and meet their wives. Eileen and Paula were dressed for the game. They had on sweatshirts and pants and were wearing gym shoes. In the living room with them was their friend Olivia. "'So, did you boys have a nice shower?' asked Olivia." "'Yes, we did, Miss Olivia,' said Dale, as the two husbands curtsied to the guest. "'They always take so long. I don't have any idea what they're doing in that shower,' said Paula with a wink. "'I love your uniform,' said Olivia. Let's have a twirl.' The two sissies twirled for the girls already humiliated by being on display for their wives, and Olivia liked this. "'Well, we have a game to get to,' said Eileen. The two husbands held hands and minced out to Olivia's SUV, followed by their wives.' They climbed in the back seat where they knew what was expected of them. They began to kiss each other deeply, making out like a couple of teenagers at a drive-in movie. They sure are enjoying themselves, said Olivia, looking at her rearview mirror. I swear they can't keep their hands off each other, said Eileen. As the SUV pulled into the park, they were not happy. It was bad enough to be playing football dressed this way at a public park, but they could see that about a dozen of their wives' friends were there to watch the game. Wow, we've got quite a crowd, smiled Eileen. After some brief stretching, the game was ready to begin. The park had kind of an unofficial football field between the two baseball diamonds, running to an area between a large oak tree and a swing set. It wasn't exactly symmetrical, but the area made a playing surface roughly 40 yards by 20 yards. For only two players on each team, it seemed the perfect size. Jeff was given the job of punting the ball to start the game but he found the shoes incredibly difficult to kick in. The result was a bounding, rolling kick that actually did the job. When Paula picked up the ball, she had her husband barreling down on her, at least as much as he could in his shoes. She moved to his right and then suddenly cut back to the left as he was closing in on her. Dale tried to react quickly to her move, but in the heels he only proceeded to fall on his face as she scampered past to cheers from the assembled crowd, which now included pedestrians who just happened by. When the two husbands got the ball, they decided that running any kind of long pass play would be impossible in heels, but when they figured with Dale being an experienced quarterback and with Jeff's height advantage, they could at least complete short passes, even if running was difficult. On the guy's first play, Dale backpedaled and tried to pass the ball to Jeff high above Eileen's outstretched arms. As he tried to move backwards, he found himself tripping over his own heels and landing in a heap. With his legs akimbo, giving the crowd quite a view of his panties. The audience roared with laughter at the sight. On the next play, they tried another pass, and this time Dale moved back slowly and cautiously. He was well aware of Paula counting to five so that she could rush him, but he got the ball off quickly. His arm still had some of the zip of his playing days. Unfortunately, the long fingernails caused the ball not to speed through the air in a perfect spiral as Dale had anticipated but to flop wobbling through the air straight to his wife, who was as surprised as anybody when the ball came to her. Dale had missed a target 40 feet away by over 10 yards. Over the next hour, the guys found themselves getting brutally tackled, missing easy plays, and fumbling their way to a horrible defeat. The crowd roared with delight every time the wives made a big play or when the husbands were humiliated, like when Paula snapped her husband's bra strap and used the distraction to get open for a touchdown pass. By the end of the game, the sissies were dead on their feet, hoping their torment would mercifully end. When finally it was over, the feminized husbands hung their heads dejectedly. They had been humiliated by their wives in front of a crowd of over fifty people. Aching all over, they anticipated the skimpy cheerleading outfits and an afternoon of not watching the game, but of mincing and serving. Fifty-six to nothing,' said Olivia, imitating an announcer. "'What's your secret?' "'I think it all comes down to marrying very feminine sissies,' laughed Paula. "'So tell me, Eileen, now that you've won the sissy bowl, what are you going to do?' asked Olivia. "'I am going to the happiest place on earth,' she replied. "'And where is that?' responded Olivia. "'Anywhere I have a simpering sissy-made husband to serve me,' laughed Eileen, patting Jeff on his behind. "'Anywhere I have a simpering sissy-made husband to serve me,' laughed Eileen, patting Jeff on his behind." "'Well, husbands, we need you to get home "'so that you can shower "'and then put on your cheerleading uniforms "'before our friends get there,' suggested Paula. "'Oh, they'll like the shower,' laughed Olivia. "'Better not get too excited,' said Eileen. "'We won by 56 points, "'which means they should be allowed "'to get out of chastity sometime in early April. "'Paula and I decided a day for every point it "'would be fair. "'Dale and Jeff moaned in misery. "'It would be a long two months. "'Still, Dale and Jeff moaned in misery. It would be a long two months. Still, Dale wouldn't have traded his relationship for anything in the world. He was lucky he had a wife perceptive enough to see how jealous he was getting of Jeff's well-earned punishment. He just hoped he could keep Jeff from finding out how much he was enjoying himself. Both sissies hung their heads in shame and frustration.
0: Mistress DJ is just one of, well, many, um doms, flirts, mistresses whatever you want to call them who have done amazing things to help me out Um, Mistress DJ has recorded a bunch of audios uh, for me she doesn't like her own voice so she likes to stick to the shorter ones but it's just wonderful having her do it and so that was the Sissy Bowl and just a little bonus after a wonderful Shayla read of part of After the Ordeal don't forget Uh, With the Sissy Bowl, it's a little different because it's so short. But for the most part, you're getting half the story. In a long story, like after the ordeal, you're getting less than half the story. And you're you're not getting the very best parts. So, if you really enjoy female domination and feminization, and I understand if you're on a budget, I'm on a tight one right now myself. Oh my gosh, the tax bill I'm getting hit with. However, um, if you want to get the full story and you want to support us... Go ahead, check out the clip store, uh, Clips for Sale and pick up uh, the full story of After the Ordeal. And of course, um, the uh, Sissy Bowl is on there too. But uh, have a wonderful week. I'll be back next Monday. I have no idea what I'm going to be back with. Um, Faith O'Shea, a wonderful British narrator, is doing a Pamela Harlow story, University Porn Star. Um, I have a couple other irons in the fire, so to speak, um, so you will be surprised, but I'm hoping you'll be delighted. Have a wonderful week, and uh, next Monday, I want, don't want to say see you, um, and tune in next Monday for another podcast. Bye-bye.